Hello and welcome to this week's Three Shifts edition by Six Pages, the source for far-reaching market shifts and what they mean. It's March 12th, 2021. I'm Eric Thompson, and here are the three shifts that you need to know this week. One, Big Tech's XR race is picking up steam. Two, SpaceX's Starlink satellite broadband continues to widen its lead. And three, more companies are investing in community. Shift one, Big Tech's XR race is picking up steam. The past couple weeks have seen reports of meaningful investments by Apple, Facebook, and Microsoft in augmented, virtual, and mixed reality, or AR, VR, MR, known collectively as extended reality, or XR. XR has long been a candidate to be the next transformational platform beyond mobile. ARC Investment Management is projecting 59% annual growth in the AR, VR market over the next five years, reaching $28 billion by 2025. These recent signals suggest that the XR race is picking up steam, amid growing acceptance that XR is, finally, moving into the mainstream. Apple is expected to release a mostly VR headset with 8K resolution display and spatial audio by 2022 for around $1,000. Prior reports have suggested pricing around $3,000. The VR headset, which could sell 180,000 units in its first year, will reportedly be followed by AR glasses by 2025 and then contact lenses between 2030 and 2040. Apple's VR headset would be independent of a mobile device and incorporate Apple's most advanced chips as well as 15 camera modules. The cameras will be used for innovative biometrics, for example, eye and gesture tracking, as well as pass-through AR, which uses high-resolution video of the outside world. The AR glasses, in contrast, will use see-through AR, which projects onto transparent lenses. Apple may bundle its VR headset with exclusive content, for example, from its next VR acquisition, an AR VR app store, or related accessories. In an interview with The Information This Week, Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg described the social giant's commitment to AR VR as a quote-unquote pretty big effort in fundamental research and product development. His vision is for a hybrid AR VR computing platform that uses advanced eye and face tracking technology to enable more visceral social interactions. For example, realistic avatars and authentic eye contact. Beginning within the decade, Zuckerberg expects people will be able to virtually teleport using AR VR and manipulate a quote, back catalog of things in the world, end quote, helping reduce the climate impact associated with travel. Facebook's Oculus acquired for $2 billion in 2014, currently leads the VR headset market with what Zuckerberg calls, quote, the first mainstream virtual reality product, end quote, the Quest 2. In the interview, Zuckerberg emphasized the affordability of the Quest 2, which starts at $300, the growing content and developer ecosystem, which includes over 60 Oculus developers already generating revenue in the millions, and over-the-air software updates that continue to add value post-purchase. Facebook plans to release its first pair of smart glasses with Ray-Ban later this year, though details are limited and it's not expected to be full AR, followed by its Oculus 3 headset in 2022. Microsoft also recently debuted its Mesh Mixed Reality platform, which lets users collaborate within mixed reality experiences across platforms, for example, AR VR headsets, mobile phones, tablets, and PCs. Initially, Users will be represented as avatars, but will eventually be able to project as photorealistic holograms. 
Microsoft Mesh is targeting virtual meetings and enterprise use cases, which industry watchers are likening to a virtual space extension of Microsoft Teams. One demonstration connected two people using Microsoft's HoloLens 2 mixed reality headset, priced around $3,500, to interact in a virtual room. A Mesh-enabled application, powered by Microsoft's Azure Cloud, might involve virtual collaboration around a 3D jet engine or sports stadium. The momentum in the XR landscape today is being largely driven by VR in the consumer space. Today, more than 90% of XR shipments are virtual reality headsets, and most of those headsets are for gaming. While there is general agreement that AR has a broader range of use cases, it is also significantly more complex as a technology than VR, which is, quote, an evolution from the mobile phone tech stack, end quote. Given Oculus's momentum, we may see Facebook reach the 10 million-plus active VR users needed to support a thriving developer ecosystem within the next couple years. As a point of reference, Nielsen's Superdata estimated the Quest 2 sold over 1 million units in Q4 2020, with another 3 million units projected for 2021. If Apple's VR headset and the Oculus 3 are launched according to plan, 2022 could be a banner year for XR. In parallel, we'll see the rollout of nationwide mid-band 5G around 2022, which could mean an ideal brew of consumer devices, content and developer ecosystems, and dramatically faster connectivity. VR, despite it being a different technological ballgame from AR, is likely to serve as a stepping stone towards broad adoption AR. For instance, pass-through AR, which projects the outside world onto a screen, has been viewed as a trade-off between see-through-like functionality and vividness of experience. But if Apple can solve for this trade-off in its mostly VR headset using ultra-high 8K resolution, an AR future might be closer than we think. To read more content related to 5G, AR VR, and Microsoft Azure, check out our January 28, 2021 brief, Are 5G Networks Finally Getting Real for U.S. Consumers? And our September 25, 2023 Shifts Edition, Microsoft seeks to differentiate Azure with three new offerings. Shift 2. SpaceX's Starlink satellite broadband continues to widen its lead. Last week, SpaceX landed its prototype Starship SN10 reusable rocket for the first time, during a test flight that reached a height of 32,000 feet. The previous two attempts, SN8 and SN9, exploded upon hitting the ground whereas SN10 exploded eight minutes after landing on the pad. The factors leading to the explosion are reportedly being corrected in the launch of the next prototype, SN11, expected as soon as next week. The completed landing is a significant milestone in SpaceX's quest to expand its reusable rocket fleet and scale the number of Starlink broadband satellites it can launch on each trip. Since 2019, SpaceX has launched over 1,200 satellites out of the 42,000 planned for its Starlink constellation by mid-2027, the most recent launch this past Thursday, making it the clear frontrunner among the satellite broadband players. Starship will be able to launch up to 400 LEO low-Earth orbit satellites per launch, versus the 60 satellites SpaceX can launch with its reusable Falcon 9 rocket. Furthermore, Starship's scale and reusability could help drive down launch costs by a factor of 10. Also last week, SpaceX filed for a blanket license from the U.S. Federal Communications Commission, FCC, to beam satellite internet to Earth Stations in Motion, or ESIMs, which includes moving vehicles like aircraft, ships, trucks, and RVs. A mobile version of Starlink's terminal will be installed on vehicles, though not passenger cars, which it is too big for, with special mounting hardware. 
The ESIM program would allow Starlink to target the mobility sector, enabling quote-unquote connectivity while on the move and in hard-to-reach areas. Starlink has been working on a limited quote-unquote better-than-nothing beta test at $99 per month plus a $499 one-time equipment fee. The beta test, which offers data speeds of 50 to 150 megabits per second and latency from 20 to 40 milliseconds in parts of the northern U.S. and Canada, reached over 10,000 users as of February 2021. Data speeds this year are expected to double to 300 megabits per second and latency drop to 20 milliseconds. According to Elon Musk, Starlink will reach most of the Earth by the end of the year, with complete coverage in 2022. Starlink's sweet spot is in areas of low to medium population density, rather than the urban centers where cellular is dominant. In December 2020, SpaceX won $886 million in federal subsidies over 10 years to connect over 640,000 rural locations across 35 U.S. states. The awards were part of the FCC's $20.4 billion Rural Digital Opportunity Fund. SpaceX was the only satellite internet provider among 180 broadband providers approved in the fund's Phase 1 auction and received the fourth largest amount, nearly 10% of the total. As Starlink gains greater visibility, it is facing more challenges from competitors. ISPs are calling on the FCC to re-examine its decision to award the subsidies, questioning whether Starlink can deliver on the requisite speed and reliability. DISH is petitioning the FCC to deny SpaceX Eligible Telecommunications Carrier, or ETC, status, which allows providers to be reimbursed for services in underserved areas, in the 12 GHz band, largely because it would interfere with DISH's own network. Similarly, Amazon's Project Kuiper is challenging SpaceX's proposed lowering of its satellite orbits, which could interfere with Kuiper's plans for its constellation. Kuiper, because of its later entry, was required to protect previously licensed systems from interference. With its latest milestones, SpaceX is progressing toward greater viability of its broadband service and underscoring its head start. Starlink, which is within just a handful of launches from its initial planned constellation of 1,440 satellites, is leading the pack ahead of its closest two competitors, Project Kuiper and OneWeb. Starship is still a few years out, but is likely to accelerate the expansion of Starlink's constellation when it is finally in operation. There is still room for other players, but given Starlink's lead, it's difficult to imagine SpaceX playing a backseat role. In the long run, Starlink's real competition is 5G, which is why it's targeting areas with lower population density where it believes 5G is not well-suited though private 5G networks can address rural areas. Satellite broadband will increasingly work in conjunction with 5G, serving as a high-speed backhaul for wireless carriers in more rural and less accessible areas so they don't have to lay down fiber. With 5G and satellite broadband, we can imagine a world of global connectivity, where consumers and businesses can be anywhere, including a cargo ship, transoceanic flight, long-haul truck, cross-country train, or rural village and not worry about how to make a call home or work online. To read more content related to SpaceX's Starlink and satellite broadband, check out our December 11th, 2020, Three Shifts edition, SpaceX's Starlink wins $886 million in FCC subsidies to roll out satellite broadband in rural areas. And our December 23rd, 2019 brief, SpaceX's Starlink and the push towards global satellite-based internet. Shift 3. More companies are investing in community. This week, 
Low-code, no-code player Zapier acquired MakerPad, its first acquisition, a no-code community and education platform with over 8,000 members. It is the latest example of a company investing in community to broaden user acquisition channels, complement its core business, build loyalty, and foster network effects. Founded in 2011, Zapier is a well-known workflow automation platform with pre-built integrations across over 3,000 third-party applications. For example, Google Sheets, Gmail, and Slack. It has over $140 million in annual recurring revenue, ARR, largely from subscriptions, and is valued at $5 billion. The heart of Zapier's business is about locking customers into its platform through a virtuous cycle of education, deepening familiarity, and highly useful self-built automations, and expanding its revenue footprint within customer organizations over time. MakerPad, founded in just 2019, is a community that offers over 320 tutorials on automating tasks through no-code platforms like Zapier, Webflow, and Airtable. While MakerPad will continue to operate as a standalone business with relative editorial independence, Zapier's benefits will include being able to engage directly with the community, for example, feedback and marketing, control Zapier's presence within the community, for example, Zapier tutorials, offer Zapier customers access to MakerPad training and Q&A, provide input into how members are funneled towards Zapier products, develop a leadership position and influential voice in the broader low-code and no-code community, and promote the general growth of the low-code and no-code market over time. Tesla this week announced that it was launching a moderated social platform called Tesla Engagement Platform, focused on providing updates, supporting local Tesla owners clubs, and encouraging action that furthers Tesla's policy goals. For example, lobbying Nebraska to allow direct EV sales, and Tesla's disaster relief in Texas. Registered users can comment, like posts and comments, and follow other users. The new platform contrasts with the unmoderated Tesla forums on the Tesla website, often frequented by spam and trolls, which Tesla is shutting down March 15th. The transition appears to be about redirecting the community towards avenues more productive for Tesla. Last month, Marketing platform HubSpot acquired content firm The Hustle for an estimated $27 million. The Hustle publishes a tech and business newsletter to over 1.5 million subscribers and has a subscription research arm called Trends with a community of over 16,000 subscribers at $299 per year, many of whom participate in an active subscriber-only Facebook group. For HubSpot, the acquisition is about bolstering existing efforts in high-value content development educating and brand building with its target audience, and reducing its dependence on digital advertising. According to HubSpot, quote, instead of the traditional model of having a software company embedded inside of a media company, we predict that the next generation of tech companies will have the opposite, a media company embedded inside a software company, end quote. Investors are also paying attention to the power of community. Circle, a platform for creators and brands to create and manage their own online communities, recently raised $4 million in February 2021. Maestro, which lets creators manage interactive live streams and their relationships with their audience, just raised $15 million in March 2021 from investors such as NetEase and Sony Music Entertainment. Andreessen Horowitz recently declared that, quote, the best version of every consumer product is the one that's intrinsically social, end quote. Companies, some of whom are appointing chief community officers, the quote-unquote new CMO, or realizing that community is not just a powerful channel for user acquisition and brand engagement. 
It can also complement strategy in other ways, such as access to first-party customer data, crowd-powered customer service, product feedback, market and user education, ability to influence public policy, reputation management, reduced advertising costs, and more. With the rise of community-first platforms like Clubhouse, Discord, Telegram, and Roblox, it's not surprising that more established companies are looking to accelerate their own transition by buying rather than building. To read more content related to community and low-code, no-code, check out our February 9th, 2021 brief, Encrypted Messaging Apps Everywhere, Privacy versus Monetization. And our August 5th, 2020 brief, What's New and Interesting in Low-Code, No-Code. That's it for this week's Three Shifts edition. If you'd like to read more content and you're not already subscribed, head to sixpages.com to sign up for free summaries of our deeply researched briefs and the Three Shifts edition straight to your inbox. Keep an eye out for our upcoming brief on how the world will unlock after the pandemic. And talk to you again on next week's Three Shifts edition. Three Shifts edition.